Um, if you've got a Bible, Matthew chapter 7, uh, that's where we're going today. We're starting a brand new series um, called Planks and Specks, and this is going to be the series that, that kind of gets us um, to Easter. Um, it'll probably go a week or so after Easter as well if we kind of stick to the format that I've already got kind of planned out. So um, Easter is just in a couple of weeks. Um, be on the lookout for more egg drop stuff and for some other opportunities to serve during Easter. Um, but today, Planks and Specks, and if there is a like if I had to have a, a tagline um, to this series, it's, it's just simply shut up and let God be the judge. Like that, that's it. Now I know that's probably not the politically correct thing to say, um, but thank God we're biblically correct and not politically correct at church, right? Uh, let me start off like this. I've said over the past several weeks um, that one of the things I love to do um, is talk about what we have in common. Because again, we live in a world that always points out our differences, um, but there are always things that we have in common, and so I like to get us on the same page and talk about things that we have in common. And so with that, I'm just going to ask you a question, um, and this is a super easy question. Everybody can answer this question. Uh, I'm just really curious. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, um, but how many people in this room um, at some point have been judged by another person for any reason? Anybody? Like, that's pretty much everybody in here, right? Like, all of us. If you didn't raise your hand, uh, welcome to earth. Because we all judge people. You've been judged for your politics, the team that you cheer for, the team you don't cheer for, or maybe what you wore, maybe what you didn't wear. I mean, I, I know we just, we get judged for certain, for certain reasons, certain things. Um, perfect example. A few weeks ago, um, I shared an illustration in church um, about my dog Zeno. If you remember, um, I put this picture up right here. He is awesome. I love that dog. If you follow me on social media, you know he is a mighty hunter, and he found deer sheds yesterday, and he's just absolutely incredible. He's awesome. That is my boy. I, I love that dog. Um, and then last week, last week I shared a video um, for sermon illustration purposes only. That was it. All right, I put up the um, I put up the video with the Arms of the Angel song, you know, in the arms of the angel. I put that song up there, and, and what was it for? It's for the what? Like the rescue dogs, right? And I just just sermon illustration only. And, and it's like, no big deal, right? Wrong. I took some big shots. I got scolded by a couple of animal, like, rescue activists about buying a pure breed dog and saying I was bashing the rescue. Now here's what's crazy. I love rescue dogs. I have another mu a dog. Um, her name is Izzy. This is her right here. Izzy is essentially a rescue dog. Like she's a mix of all kinds of different dogs. We don't even know what the heck she is. Um, she's weird and she's kind of cool. Um, but somebody told me, somebody said, think about all the dogs that were killed because you got a pure breed lab. And I'm like, what? Like, are we like really having this conversation? And it was just kind of this back and forth, and there was just all of this anger. And it just like shocked me that people were mad over my dog. And here's the thing. Nobody asked me about the circumstances. Like, nobody asked about the situation. Nobody stopped to consider that maybe a friend gave me that dog as a gift. Like, like nobody asked about any of that. It's just, they just judged. 
Because that's what people do. They judge. And when we judge, we just jump to conclusions and we don't take the time to consider what's really happening. And they judge over dogs or clothes or cars or homes. They judge over masks. The, the other day, um, I went to lunch at this place. Um, I won't tell you the name, but it rhymes with ordineros. And, um, and I walked in and, and I saw this person, like as I was walking in, this person pulled in right next to me and and um, they just stared at me, and I walked in, and I got my lunch, and I came back outside, and they were still in the car, and they rolled down the window, and they mad scolded me from their car about not having on a mask. Again, did I put one on when I walked in? Did I not have one when I walked in? Like, you don't even know. You don't even understand. But now I'm outside, and I'm getting yelled at. I'm getting judged because you don't really know the situation. You don't really know the circumstances, it gets absolutely crazy. If, if I could be just totally transparent with you and totally honest, this has been a judgy week for me. And so I started thinking about this, and I thought about a guy in the Bible. His name is Matthew. Um, Matthew was a follower of Jesus. He's one of his disciples. Jesus called Matthew to follow him, and Matthew followed him everywhere. And step by step for the rest of Matthew's life, he followed Jesus and Matthew records this sermon that Jesus preached. This is the most popular, most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this phrase. In chapter 7, verse 1, he says, do not judge. Now, that's, that's what Jesus said. Like, that, that's not what Ryan is saying. That's not necessarily what other people say. That's, that's Jesus. Do not judge. And, and by the way, that's the only verse in the Bible that some people know, Right? They don't know where it is. <laughs> they don't know who said it, but they're always like, well, the Bible says do not judge. And, and it does. It does. Legit does. Like Jesus said it. Jesus said do not judge. Now, I was researching this this week, and, and one of the things I do for every message I preach is um, I read and translate every New Testament passage um, that I preach out of the Greek. Um, I love Greek. I love studying my Greek Bible. I don't geek out on a lot of things, um, but I love, love, love biblical Greek. I don't know why, um, other than the fact that I'm an idiot, and when I was in college, this thing just like really clicked for me, and it came alive, and I was really good at it. And so now at this point, I just love it. And so I, I was looking at this passage right here in the Greek and thinking, what does this mean in the Greek? Because people say all kinds of different things about it. And, and, and as I was really looking at it, and I was really parsing it out and kind of kind of doing all these things that I do with it. I was like, ah, that can't be right. Like, that, that can't be what it means. I mean, this, this, that's like way too simple. That, because, man, again, people say all kinds of things about this passage. And then I said, I need to go and I need to look at what other scholars say about this. And when I looked at what other scholars say about this particular passage, I was shocked. And so, what does do not judge mean? Well, according to the Greek, and according to all of the scholars, do not judge means, anybody want to guess? That's right, do not judge. Like, that's it. It's that simple. It really is. Like, that really is what it means. Now, now here's what's crazy. It's something that Jesus said. We, we know that. It was Jesus who said, do not judge. But I have this question, and I'm sure it's a question that most all of you have as well. If Jesus said, do not judge, if it's Jesus, 
And if we're supposed to be followers of Jesus, and we're supposed to be walking in the footsteps of Jesus, and if Jesus says do something, we're supposed to do it. If he says don't do it, we're not supposed to do it. If Jesus said do not judge, then why do people that claim to be followers of Jesus claim or seem to be the most judgmental people that we know? And, and listen, 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 listen. I'm not picking on them. I've been a part of that too, all right? I've been part of the Jesus followers judgy crowd too. And so why? Why is it? Why is it if Jesus said it, do we seem to be the most judgmental? Well, I believe that people are essentially judgmental for two different reasons. Um, the first reason, Christians will not admit, and, they, and then they won't tell you, but it's true. Um, the second reason, we'll all nod our heads with, and we all know and we all understand. Um, the first reason that people judge is because they're jealous. They really are. It's the first reason why you judge it's because you're jealous. And you say, Ryan, what do you mean jealous? You're jealous of all the fun that sinners have. Because honestly, like, like people are always like, I can't believe that person is smoking and drinking and cussing and vaping. And they're sleeping around and they're doing all this stuff and they're getting a pay raise. I love Jesus and I read my Bible and I'm having my quiet time and I'm not looking at porn and I'm poor. They need to suffer like I'm suffering. Right? And then, because of that, Christians will make up phrases that are incredibly stupid and not true. They'll say, well, they're sinning, but they're not having any fun. Oh, I promise you, if they're sinning, they're having fun. In fact, if you're sinning and not having any fun, you're not doing it right. That should be our next t-shirt. <laughs> Seriously. I'm sinning, you're not having fun. Anyway, I don't, I don't, maybe not. But seriously, they'll look at people and they'll be like, oh my gosh, they're having so much fun and I'm not having any fun. I'm miserable and they should be miserable. Jealous. Jealous. The second reason people judge is because they're self-righteous. Right? You know this one. Self-righteous. All of us have done this before and all of us have had this done to us before. We have a certain standard. And if people don't measure up to our standard, then they're not as good as us. And, uh, by the way, the best definition I've ever heard on self-righteous judgment is this. When you size somebody up and then you write them off. Like, th th that's it. I don't, I don't remember who said that, um, but, but it's true. That's what self-righteous people do. They'll size you up, and if you don't measure up to their standard, then they will write you off. But something I've personally discovered through my own experience and through my experience with other people is that self-righteous people are rarely self-aware people. Seriously, self-righteous people are rarely self-aware people. See, when somebody is super self-righteous, they're not very self-aware. Because while Jesus did, in fact, say, do not judge, that's not the only thing that he said. Like, if that's all that Jesus said was do not judge, then we could just go home right now. This would be a really, really, really short sermon. Everybody just live peacefully. Don't say anything stupid to anybody. Amen. Right? But Jesus went on to say this. Do not judge, comma. You see that? Do you see that up there? Do not judge, comma. Do not judge, comma. Not a period, meaning there's way more to this thought. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
In other words, as the great theologian Justin Timberlake had once said, what goes around comes around. Some of you know that song, some of you don't. I don't, I don't know. But here's the thing. Ask yourself this question, because I, I, I asked myself this question over and over and over again while I was putting this message together. If somebody's going to come after me or somebody's going to judge me, how do you want to be judged? Like, like how? How do you want to be judged? Here's why that's important. Because the way you want to be judged, that's the way that you should judge. That's the way that you should approach other people. Now, we've got a few options. And as always, I'm going to give you a few options on how we can judge others. The first option is with anger, angrily. That, that's the first option. Again, why is it that the people who claim to be the closest to Jesus seem to be the absolute angriest people that we know. Seriously, why is that? Because there's only one or two times in the Bible where Jesus got angry. He went to the temple one time, and he just tore everything up, man. He was ticked off, but he, but he had a big reason to. But, but why, is it, why is it that the people that are closest to Jesus seem to be the angriest people that we know? Why? I mean, I've done this. Like, I'm in this category. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers this morning. I'm like, I got the open hand saying, I don't, I don't know, and, and we all do it. Um, many years ago, without going into a ton of detail, um, I had this situation come up where we were going to go do something. My family was going to go do something. Um, we were going to go somewhere, and, and I needed someone to do something for me in order to make that happen. And the night before, like late in the night before we were supposed to leave, he called me. He's like, hey, Ryan, um, something came up, and, and, and I can't do it. And I never will forget. I got up the phone, and I lost it. I was so angry. Not only did I get angry, but I started calling other people and telling them about my anger. I started talking smack about him to all of our friends. I'm like, I can't believe he did this. I can't believe he did this. Why would he do this? He knows how important this is. He knows I need to get away. He knows blah, 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 blah. And he must not love Jesus the way that I love Jesus and the way that you love Jesus. And I was going all of this. And with other people, like, we started, like, completely going off on this dude. I was angry. And because I was angry, I said some very, 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 very bad things, some very mean things, and some very hateful things about him. Um, I found out about a week later um, that he had this really serious family situation that came up. He didn't feel comfortable talking to me about it over the phone. Now, I was angry, and number one, I, I, I shouldn't have been. Because number two, I had no reason. I didn't know the whole story. I didn't, I didn't take time to, to ask what was going on. I, I, I didn't do it. I just immediately judged. And if you've ever had somebody come after you that was angry at you, it didn't want you, it didn't, it didn't cause you to want to quit or listen. And in fact, as they elevated their volume, what did you do? You elevated your volume, right? And nothing got resolved. If you've ever gone to anybody angry, nothing gets resolved, right? Well, that's the first way we judge. <laughs> the second way we judge is religiously. That's what we do, because we're Christians, right? So we're going to judge you religiously. Have you ever been judged, but they didn't judge you? They just kind of, Christians, we have, we have several terms and several phrases that we say. We won't judge you, but we'll come to you and we'll go, hey, brother, hey, sister. 
I'm concerned for you. <laughs> Have you ever had the concern? You ever had that? Sounds like a medical condition, right? The concern. How bad is it, Doc? I'm sorry to inform you, Mr. Galagos, but you've got the concern. <laughs> You're like, no! I don't even know what that is. My thing is this, and this is me. This could be you or not. I don't know. But you can't be concerned for me if you're not connected to me. You just, you just can't. Like, like, just because you view me from a distance, like, don't start off telling me you're concerned. You're judging me right now. You have no idea what's going on. Oh, 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 I'm just, I'm just so concerned for you, Pastor. Come on, son. You're not, you're not concerned for me. This, this is my favorite. This is my favorite way that we judge. When you get judged during prayer time. You, you ever been judged in a prayer request? You ever been there? All right, everybody, let's gather around. Let's pray. Somebody in this circle is smoking crack. I'm just saying we've got crack smokers amongst us. I'm not going to point any fingers, but there are crack smokers amongst us. And so we're going to pray. Everybody, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for Sally. And so what we need to do right now is everybody just hold hands, and we're going to pray. Dear God, we love you. God, right now, we're going to pray for the crack smokers. God, we know that you can heal the crack smoker amongst us. And God, in this moment, we pray for Sally. Because, God, you're the only one who can really reveal who the baby daddy is. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a little judgmental, isn't it? Like, but, but it happens. It happens. We do that, and we disguise it as prayer. We dress it up as this Christianese or religiously. The third way that we can judge is mercifully. Now, this is the way that I would prefer that you approach me, and I'm sure that this is the way that you would want other people to approach you. You know where I learned this? <laughs> I'll explain it like this. I love speed, two speed. I love two speed. I love to go fast. I love to get in the car. <laughs> I got to clarify that because it's central, and that will be important later on in the message. All right, so I love to, I love to go fast. I love, there, there's a reason why there's a maximum speed limit in your car. Did you know that? Did you know that there's an actual maximum speed limit in your car? Have any of you ever, like, just, just tried to get there and just see? And there's, like, there's a point where it won't go any faster. Um, teenagers. If you're in here, don't listen to me right now. Um, but because of my love to go fast, um, <laughs> I have accumulated a couple of speeding tickets over the year. I never will forget my very first Iowa speeding ticket. Um, we hadn't lived here super long. Uh, we were coming back from Ames. I got just outside of Jefferson, and a Greene County Sheriff pulled up behind me and lit up the lights. I looked down, and I wasn't speeding. Now, I had been speeding, like in Ames and in Boone and in Ogden and in Beaver. Like, I, I, I was speeding. But at that particular time, I legit was not speeding. And so I thought, well, something else must be wrong. And so I pulled over. He comes up to the window, and he said, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? Now, usually I say, <laughs> because I was trying to set a new land speed record, and, and you got me. Uh, but this time, I was legit like, no, sir. He said this. He said, I clocked you going 47 and a 45. You did how what? Like how fast I was going? 
He's like, you grew a 47 and a 45. And he asked me where I was coming from, and I told him I was coming back from a football game with my son. He asked me how old my son was. I told him, and he's like, does he play Cardinal football? And I was like, yes, sir. He said, stop out of the vehicle and come back to my car. I'm like, well, this seems a little strange. Like, I don't know what's going to go on here. I got out. I go back to his car. He showed me, he, he, he takes his police-issued laptop that's sitting in the middle, flips it around, and begins to show me videos of his son, who, who at that time then was out of high school, but he's showing me old clips of when his son played little kid tackle football in the Carroll Cardinal, Carroll Cougar Football League. And I thought, man, this is cool. It's really weird. But we're bonding. And so, all right, man, I'm just going to pay attention. I'm going to say, man, your son's like one of the best football players I've ever said, Man, he got skill. That kid like, awesome. And I'm like, this, this is great, man. Like, cool, whatever. And then he handed me a speeding ticket. A legit speeding ticket for going two miles an hour over the speed limit. I was so upset. I got in my truck, I took a picture of it, I put it on social media, and I was attacked, immediately judged. Well, pastors aren't immune to the speed limit. You need to lead by example. You need to, da, da, da. I took it down real quick. Like, I was like, ah, I didn't know people in Iowa were so mean. It was crazy. About, about a year or so later, honestly, God, this is a true story. I'm coming down 71. We're coming back from like a wrestling thing. And I'm um, coming back from Storm Lake or whatever. And I was flying. Absolutely flat out flying. Like I was at least 85 in a 55. A at least. And a state cop saw me. Now the only reason I know I was going 85 is because when, when I pass him this way and he passed me this way, I hit the brake. You know how you do that thing when you see him coming? And at that point, after I applied the brake, I looked down and it said 85. And so I don't know what I was doing before that. But I looked in the side mirror and I saw his brake light come on and I'm just like, oh, shoot. And so I just pulled over. Like I didn't even wait for him to get behind me. I just like, I just pulled over. And he comes over to me, he comes up to the window and he's like, sir, do you, do you know why I pulled you over? Oh, yeah. He said, I need your driver's license, all the other stuff. He said, I'll be right back. I was sweating. I, listen, this week, I'm going to be 47 years old. And every time I get pulled over, the very first thought that runs through my mind is, my dad going to kill me. Like, seriously, like, like that's it, man. And then, and then the second thought is, like, Mary is absolutely going to kill me. It's going to be bad. He comes back up. You can't make stuff like this up. I promise you this is true. He comes back up to the car, and he says, sir, I can see you got pulled over a little while ago. I said, yes, sir. He said, you got a speeding ticket for going two miles an hour over the speed limit? I said, yes, sir. He said, that guy is my brother. I, I'm like, your brother in the bond? Like your brother in arms? He goes, no, my legit brother. He is a jerk. I'm going to give you a verbal warning. Slow down. I was like, yes, sir. Took off. Like, I was hit. <laughs> Here's the deal. I never will forget that. You know why? Because that dude had the authority probably in that moment to strip my license and make me walk home. But he showed mercy. He legit showed mercy. Now, if somebody is going to approach me in a conversation to confront me about something, I don't want them to yell at me, and, and I don't want them to disguise it. Because Christians will throw rocks at you. But as long as they draw little crosses on them, it's all right, isn't it? I, I, I want to show you 
I want you to come at me mercifully. You want me to come at you mercifully. And here's why. Because that's how Jesus approaches us, mercifully. And then here's the deal with the whole judgment thing. Because the question that people have is, well, okay, Ryan, I get it. I understand. Don't judge. But I've got a friend or I've got a family member. And I'm watching them go down a path. And if something, if something in their life, Ryan, doesn't change, they're going to absolutely destroy their life. And so what do I do? Do I say anything? Do I step back, not say anything? I'm not going to judge. Do I say, well, like, like, what do I do? How do I handle this? Well, Jesus addresses this, this. And the way that he does is so awesome, just, just like everything he says. And, and listen, I've been reading the Bible for over 20 years. And for me, um, this has just come alive over the past several weeks. This is what Jesus said. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. Now hold up, let's talk about that right there because I've never really heard anybody teach on that, on why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. A- anybody ever had anything in their eye? You know, it's just like in your eye and you know you're just sitting there and it's irritating, right? Sometimes I wear contacts and so sometimes I'll get something stuck behind them like some dirt or an eyelash will get in there and it just drives me nuts. I'm coaching softball, I'll be out on the field, and it's dry, and it's windy, and I'll get a little piece of dust behind my contact, and it just drives me crazy. Something in your eye, you know what I'm talking about, right? Just gets right there. Some of you right now, you're sympathetic, and your eye is starting to hurt, and you're like, I don't know why it's hurting. It's because of the sin in your life. Sinner? Maybe not. Anyway, have, have you ever noticed that if you've got something in your eye, You don't have to have somebody tell you there's something in your eye because you know it. Hey, man, you got something in your eye. Really? I had no idea why my tear ducts are wide open and snot is all over my face. I had no idea. Thank you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) But you you know what's serious about a speck of sawdust in your eye is if you leave it in there long enough, it's going to get infected, right? In fact, if you leave it in there long enough, it could cause some long-term damage. You, you could possibly even lose your eye. And so the speck in somebody's eye is a really big deal. It, it's, it's got to be dealt with because we really have to get the speck out of there because the speck is a really, really, really serious thing. You don't want to leave that thing. But then Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Now, don't miss that. That's huge. He says brothers three times within the context of these, these verses. Three times, which implies relationship. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in somebody that you have relationships eye? He didn't say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your Facebook friend's eye, right? Is Facebook not the devil's playground? I mean, why do, listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not anti-social media. I am pro-social media. As long as we will all admit that we do not put our highlight reel on social media, correct? Like nobody wakes up first thing in the morning, snaps a picture and goes, whoo, feeling awesome. I want everybody to see. No. In fact, before you post it, you have taken 18 selfies with 197 different filters until you find the one that you like, Right? Probably another message for another time. You didn't like that, I could tell. You're judging me. Um, but but here's, here's, here's the deal. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck 
and your brother's eye. In other words, you're connected to these people. You know them. You have relationship with them. It's not somebody that you just hang out with two or three times a year. You are, don't miss this, you're connected with them. And then Jesus says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, somebody you care about, somebody you really, really, like you really care about this person? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Then he says this, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Now, when Jesus said that, everybody laughed. Everybody. Because, because it's funny. Because it'd be, like, it'd be like somebody walking around with a plank saying, Hey, I need to talk to you after service about the speck in your eye. you got to get the specks out of your eyes, y'all. The people over here, you got way more specks in your eyes than the people over here. You got some specks, but these specks are a little bit bigger. You got to deal with the speck. If I'm walking around, I'm preaching a message like this right now, nobody's going to take me seriously, right? Here I'll be like, I told you that kid was weird, man. Like, it's a plank in my eye. Like, like if I came up to you and I said, uh, listen, brother, after the service, you and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk and we're going to talk about the speck in your eye. You'd be like, um, dude, there's a plank in your eye. I can't hear anything that you say, right? Like, like uh, none of us would, would take this seriously. We all understand that. But that's what Jesus said. And Jesus said, why would you do that? And then he said this in verse 4. He said, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. And all a hypocrite is is somebody that's more obsessed with somebody else's sin than their own. Like, like that, that's the very simplest definition of a hypocrite. Somebody that's more obsessed with someone else's sin than their own. Jesus said, you hypocrite, first. In other words, there's a process to this. It's going to take some time. It's just not just a one and done deal. There's a process. Jesus said the first thing you got to do is take the plank out of your own eye. In other words, deal with this. If you can't deal with this, then we can't even get into the next step. Deal with this so you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus does not say, don't miss this, Jesus did not say, ignore the speck. Jesus did not say, don't say anything about the speck. He says, before you bring the speck up to your brother, get by yourself and deal with your own crap. Because see, when we go, God, I'm concerned. God, I'm concerned about Larry. Because God, I see this. But God, before I go to Larry, is, is there anything, God, is there anything in my life is there any area where I lack? Is there any place, God, where I am falling short? God, show me. Show me what's missing in my life. Show me where I'm falling short. Show me the sin in my life. Show me the plank so that I can go talk to Larry. And what happens when we deal with our own sin, it allows us to approach Larry with humility, with patience, with gentleness, mercifully. We don't yell at Larry, and we don't throw rocks at Larry with little crosses drawn on them. We actually have humility in the conversation, which at the end of the day, if somebody approaches me with mercy, I'm going to listen to them all day long, whether I agree with them or not. It's kind of like this. <laughs> let's pretend, let's play pretend. Let's pretend we all went to dinner, 
We order our dinner, and they bring out the salad, and all of us are getting salad, and we're eating salad. And let's say you and I, we're, we're sitting next to each other, and I look over, and I notice that you've got just a little piece of lettuce right here on your teeth, and you're a smiler. Like, you're one of those teeth smilers, you know what I'm talking about? Smiling all the time, showing everybody your pretty white teeth, and, 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 and you've got this lettuce just right here, you're just smiling and talking and listening, just smiling. Just right here, a little piece of lettuce. Just kind of curious. Just curious. Il- sermon illustration purposes only. How many of you would want me to tell you you got some lettuce in your teeth? How many of you would want to know? That you would want to know? Yeah, everybody, right? Now, the way I tell you, the way I approach you matters, Right? Because if I said, hey, idiot, you got some freaking lettuce in your teeth. You need to learn how to eat. What the heck is wrong with you? If I say that, we're probably never going to dinner again together, are we? You're going to leave going, yep, Pastor Ryan is as dumb as we thought he was. Or if I came up to you and I went, uh, brother, sister, I would love just to take a moment to pray with you because I'm concerned about the condition of your teeth (laughs) no right just come out and tell me don't be like hey everybody i got a prayer request for the table we got some salad eaters here who don't really understand how to eat salad so everybody grab hands dear god please teach us how to chew right no just be like hey man you got some lettuce in your teeth man clean it up This is what's beautiful about this illustration, and everybody will get this. You'll all understand this. Before you tell somebody that they've got lettuce in their teeth, what do you do? What do you do? Some of you are doing it right now, right? Uh, Tongue going? (laughs) Like you're checking it out, right? Because if I told you that you've got lettuce in your teeth, but I got lettuce and tomato and egg and I got bacon bit right over here. Hey, you got some lettuce in your teeth. You'd be like, well, next to you, I look awesome, dude. It's the same thing. And, and don't miss this. This is, this is so good. Before you tell somebody that they've got lettuce in their teeth, get the garden out of your mouth. Isn't that good? Don't you understand that? Before you tell somebody they got lettuce in their teeth, you got to get the garden out of your mouth. Now, here's what's crazy, because if you circle back to the judge and judgment stuff, I think that the world we live in today, that judgment is an epidemic. I do. And, and, and I do think a lot of it is caused by a lot of stuff that gets said about people on social media. And I'm, I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about there are people in this room that you've had to deal with, idiot keyboard warriors who have said some things about you that they would never ever ever say to your face but because they're hidden behind their screen and because they're hidden in mom's basement or whatever they can say some things that are incredibly hurtful like they've said some things to you or they said something about you and it just leaves you feeling just like just weighted and worthless right how do you deal with those people Well, Jesus addresses this. He talks about all this judgment, and then he says this in Matthew 7, 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn 
and tear you to pieces. Now, just so you know, I know a little something about this. I try to be pretty positive on social media. Like, I don't always succeed. <laughs> I don't. Um, but, but if you follow any of my social media accounts, I try to be pretty positive and pretty encouraging. Again, I don't always succeed. Um, I've got this kind of philosophy that, like, don't put anything in print that could be used against you. And so I try really, really hard. Sometimes, sometimes I cross the line. I, I, I get that. I understand that. But the other day, uh, I think it was on Thursday, I was working on this message, and I had made a post earlier in the day um, on Facebook about how proud I was of this church for stepping up and stuffing tens of thousands of eggs in, in, in three days. Like, like I, I was super excited because I was huge, man. We had never done that before. That, like, I, I was so proud of you guys for coming together and, and taking this whole idea of being connected and, and, and understanding that we're, we're trying to connect people to each other and trying to connect people to Jesus, and you're helping us to, to, to be able to go out and connect the community. And, man, I was, I was pumped up. I don't, I don't celebrate wins a lot. You know that. If you know that about me, I'm always moving on to the next thing. But I was so excited about the egg thing. And about an hour later, I got this comment. Just awesome. Sounds good, right? Starts out really good. Just awesome. We're still in a pandemic, and you're bringing people together in masses and encouraging people to be in big groups. Maybe you can sing Hell's Bells again at your Easter services since that's where you are sending people. Leave the preaching to the professionals. You're just an ex-addict trying to pretend not to be. Isn't it funny how some people will remind you of what you did years ago? Isn't it? By the way, Hell's Bells, we didn't sing it. We just played the instrumental, and I'd do it again because it was flipping awesome. Some churches, are, they say, we would never do that because your band can't. Mine can. All right, just, just so you know, like that's it. But i got to be honest with you, um, I know I project a pretty tough exterior. <laughs> that one got me. Well, it did. Like that, that, that got me. I was so mad. I was so upset. I was so hurt. I sat in my office, and I was just like shaking from it. Because you know, you fight like hell to overcome something, and then somebody calls you by what you used to be, that hurts. That really hurts. And listen, I'm not talking about me. This is not feel sorry for Pastor Ryan moment. That's not. I'm talking about you too. Some of you know exactly what this feels like. People have called you by who you used to be or what you used to do, and, and you felt torn down, and you felt defeated. And you've had this thought. Why do I even try? Why? Why do I even try? Why do I even keep fighting? Why do I even keep taking my next step? Why? Why? Why, why do I even try? And, and I looked at this comment, and I'm telling you, you can ask some of the people that were here that day. Man, it was a weight on me. I was just like, Bleh. I was a mess. Until I realized, you know what? It's just like we're talking about. 
I am not who he says I am. Because if I let him define me, I'll stay defeated. If you let other people define you, you will always stay defeated. And so I sat in my office and I listed up on my board, on my great big whiteboard, just sort of making a list, not of who he says I am, but of who Jesus Christ says I am and who Jesus Christ says that you are. And Jesus Christ says you are forgiven. And Jesus Christ says you are accepted. And Jesus Christ says you are unconditionally loved. And Jesus Christ says in him you are made brand new. In Jesus you are free. In Jesus you are chosen. Jesus Christ says you are highly valued and when you follow me, you are not forsaken. Jesus Christ defines who I am. They don't get to define who I am. They don't get to define who you are because in Jesus, you are free. Free. And maybe today, I'm just saying, maybe today, for too long, you have let other people define you. You have let other people judge you. But listen to me. If they had to go through what you went through, they would be dead right now right? You need to understand you are all of these things in Christ. So don't let other people who don't even know you define you anymore. That stops today. They don't get to define you. They don't get to judge you. Jesus, only Jesus is our judge. Only Jesus defines us. Amen? This is what we're going to do. The girls are going to go up here and sing a song. They're going to sing that song that we um, played for communion. When you came in, you got one of these planks. Oh, it's a shim. But we're going to say it's a plank, right? Represents plank. It says, in Christ I am. And what I want you to do, and they're singing this song, is I want you to look at that list. Because I'm telling you, man, other people defining you, it needs to stop today. You need to fully understand who Jesus Christ says that you are. You need to fully understand and embrace when you walk out those doors that in Christ you are who he says you are, not who anybody else says that you are. And so while they're singing the song, you come up here, you grab one of these markers, you write one of those words, or you write your own word on this thing, and you hold on to this thing, and you understand that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ defines you. And maybe this morning you can't write one of those words up there because you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've never done that, I'm going to stand right up here. And if you need to do that, then you come up here and you let me pray with you and you let me pray for you. And we'll start working through that process of Jesus Christ coming into your life and being your Savior. Today may be the day that he's choosing you, that he's choosing to call you out. Today may be the day of your effectual calling when you fully understand and embrace what he did for you on that cross and understand that you are in him these things. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I, I thank you, God, that all of these things are true. And Father, I pray for those in this room that might feel the weight of condemnation and judgment. God, that you would absolutely speak truth into our lives right now. Forgiven, unconditionally loved, accepted, made brand new, free, chosen, highly valued. That's who we are. Not what the world says we are, but that's who we are. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, come on up here and let's let the world stop defining us. Amen? Amen. amen.